Welcome to the Reliance Community Podcast. Worship with us on Sunday mornings at 9 o'clock or 10.45 a.m. We hope you're encouraged by today's message. Let's go. Ezekiel. Somebody turn to Ezekiel chapter 36, and uh, we are going to have a heart-to-heart, all right? And so if you're a visitor, welcome. We are so glad you guys are at Reliance um, today. Uh, we call ourselves a family. If you're here today for the first time, you're part of our family. If you come regularly, it's good to be with family always. Um, we're going to start a new sermon series called Red Letters. All right, so it's gonna be a red letter sermon series. We're actually starting it today, but we're not gonna talk about the red letters today, all right? And I'll tell you why here in just a minute. So if you don't know what the red letters are, basically um, in, in some Bibles, they print what Jesus says in red letters, all right? So they print what Jesus says in red letters so it kind of stands out among all the other texts. And uh, it's important and we believe it. Like we wanna know what Jesus says and we wanna live out what he says. In fact, we feel like that's kind of the strategy of Christ that, that Jesus is like, see what I did? Now go and do it. It's not complicated, right? And, and, and it shouldn't be complicated, but we've kind of overcomplicated it. We've made it about a lot of other things rather than just really the heartbeat of Jesus. And so we're going to take time and we're going to walk through John chapter 13, 14, 15, and 16. And we're going to study the red letters of Jesus. And we're going to see what Jesus tells us. We're going to see how we're supposed to live, how we're supposed to walk, how we're supposed to have community together and all those good things. And so um, we're going to get to that. But before we get to the red letters, we kind of felt like we needed to address some pretty important things in here, and we needed to have a heart-to-heart first. Now, if you're like me, anytime I hear the word, we need to have a heart-to-heart, like if Christy comes up, my wife comes up and says, we need to have a heart-to-heart, immediately I hang my head, I'm like, what did I do? What did I? Anybody like that? You know, yeah, okay, a few of you guys out there. I love the honesty, all right? Same thing with my kids. Man, I could, it could be something really good and I could tell my kids, guys, I wanna have a heart to heart with you. And immediately all four of them drop their heads and they start going, he did it, she did it, he did it, she did it. I'm like, I didn't even tell you anything. I just wanna have a heart to heart, right? But anytime we say we wanna have a heart to heart, all of a sudden we immediately go to the negative side. But that's not what I wanna have a heart to heart about. I wanna have a heart to heart about something that I believe is gonna profoundly impact our life as we get ready to launch into this red letter series. And that is that God wants to take out our heart and give us his heart, amen? So we're gonna have a heart to heart about that today. And, and uh, the reason is, is if, if you're in here today and if, and, if, and if your heart isn't in this thing, Like if your heart isn't in your relationship with God, if your heart isn't in this thing that we call Christianity, it's like like fighting the wind. You'll never win, amen? Like you'll never win if your heart isn't in this thing. And so it's important to us that we find that our heart is in it because if your heart's not in it, you'll never produce anything. You're just doing actions. You're You're just doing actions. And if your heart's not in it at the end of the day, it's really meaningless. And so just to make sure we're all on the same page, we do this in here from time to time. Everybody check your pulse, check your pulse, however you do that. Let's go, check it, check it. Everybody checking it? I want to see all hands checking their pulse. Anybody not have a heartbeat in here? All right, good. We don't have to call EMS, amen? And uh, we don't have to have counseling for those that don't think they have a heart, all right? Every person in here has a heart. Physically, you have a heart. You have a heart that's beating in your chest right now in this room. The same thing, though, is spiritually. Every person in here who said yes to Jesus has a heart, okay? And so when we talk about getting the heart of God, we're not talking about the organ in your chest that's pumping blood out, hopefully really well right now, all right? 
We're not talking about that heart. We're talking about the center of what he's put in your life, where your thoughts and your beliefs and, and your, your behaviors and your personality, where they begin to culminate in the center of your heart. That's what we're talking about. The word describes the heart as essentially this place of personality, desires, joys, hopes, struggles, beliefs, unbeliefs that we're associated with. And so we, that's why we always say things, and we've talked about this before in here, like when somebody you know, hurts you or when somebody breaks up with you when somebody does something to you in a negative way, we always say, man, you hurt my heart, right? Because we just, we identify. We're not saying you hurt my organ, all right? You hurt my organ. So that's why we don't say you hurt my brain or, oh, my liver just hurts for you, right? We don't say that because we all identify that this identity of heart is something at the center of all of us. And so it's the same thing when we talk about Christ, both physically and spiritually, the heart is important. And we want to get after this thing spiritually of what we feel like God is calling us to. And the reason that I wanted to start with this today is because we could start the Red Letter series. We could jump into John 13 today, right now. We could jump in and we could say, man, here's what Jesus says to do. Let's go do it. But if we don't have the right heart, we'll never be able to do it. If our heart's not invested in it, we'll never be able to do it. I'm going to show you that here in just a minute, why that's true. Where is your heart willing to go today? I want you to know this, your heart was created for the presence of Jesus, amen? Your heart, I'm talking about the center of your being, your, your personality, your thoughts, your joys, your hopes, your struggles, whatever, all of that was created to be in the presence of Jesus. It's what drew you in today. You could do 10 other things today on a Sunday morning. You could go golf, you could be at home getting ready to throw a football party, whatever. You could have a, a thousand other things that you could be doing today, but something drew you in to a church on a Sunday morning. Why? Because there was something in your heart that longed to have something un, that's unfulfilled filled. And so everybody in this room is on the same playing field. We're all in this place longing for something. Even if you're in here going, you better finish by noon. It's not gonna happen, it's just not. We're all in here for the same reason and we're gonna leave when we're fulfilled, amen, in Jesus. Which we'll try to make that soon, all right? But my point is, and I want you to get this, my point is that all of us, all of us in here, our hearts were created for one thing and that was to have the presence of Jesus. That's why the DNA of God has been written on our hearts. And so this, this desire to talk about this stemmed from something that's been happening over the last few weeks. The more we've been pressing into God, the more God's just been doing things in our hearts, the more he's been increasing faith, the more it's been amazing, amen? And so we, we want more of that. We're like, wow, God, so you're saying if we press in, faith increases, you, we just feel more of your presence. Like, yeah, I told you that in my word. So that's why we're doing this. Because we're believing with everything that we have that we want to go after God. We want our desires of our hearts to be the Father's heart. That's what we want. We want to get rid of our selfish ambition. We want to get rid of our vain conceit. And we all have it. And we want the Father's heart over all things. And that's really our springboard. And so in prayer time on Thursday, we were praying in here, a group of about 10 or 15 of us, whatever it was. And um, man, I felt very clearly that the Lord uh, was just saying, man, what kind of a heart do you desire? Do you desire your old heart or your new heart? And when he said that, I wasn't, it wasn't like, Aaron, what kind of a heart do you desire? I felt like he was saying, as a church, what kind of heart do you desire? Do you want to keep your old heart and your old ways doing your old things, or do you desire a new heart? And, and so uh, he just kind of brought me to Ezekiel chapter 36. So if you guys have your Bibles, we're going to go there. And this is our springboard. And, 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 and right now, Ezekiel's a prophet. So he's a prophet of the Lord. And just let me give you a background. And he receives this revelation 
that God is gonna restore Israel. So Israel's been doing their thing. You know, they're up, they're down, they're up, they're down. They've abandoned God. They've hardened their hearts. They've, you know, that God blesses them and they just kind of push back on him. I mean, a lot of how we operate in life. Like we want God, we don't want God, all those kinds of, we want the good things of God, but then we don't want to have to obedience and follow all that nonsense. And so this has been kind of their MO. This has been their method of operation over and over and over and over again. And so Ezekiel receives this word from the Lord because the people have been scattered and Ezekiel gives this word that God is going to restore. And here's how he's going to do it. In verse 25, God says, Ezekiel prophesying for the Lord says, Then I will sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean. Listen to this. Your filth will be washed away. You will no longer worship idols. And I will give you a new heart. And I will put a new spirit in you. I will take out your stony stubborn heart and give you a tender, responsive, somebody say responsive, responsive heart. And I will put my spirit in you so that you will follow my decrees and be careful to obey my regulations. You see church, this is pivotal for us because th th there's, there's some of us in this room where we've got that old heart that's a little bit hardened towards things. We're not sure where we're at with things. Like we, we love this idea of God. That's what we're drawn in. We love this idea of it. And God's like, man, I wanna get rid of that heart. I wanna put a new heart in you that's tender for the things of me. And more importantly, that's responsive to my word and presence. And look what he says here. And then I will put my spirit in you so that you, will so that you will follow my decrees and be careful to obey my regulations. The whole reason we're starting with a heart to heart before we jump into this red letter sermon series is because we'll never be able to follow the ways of Jesus if we first don't get the right heart and spirit within us, amen? It'd just be like fighting the wind. Like, God, I see what your word says. I just, I, I feel like I can't do it. Why? Because I haven't replaced my old heart with a new heart. And you know what the new heart is? Ezekiel is prophesying. I'm gonna give you a new heart, a new spirit. He's prophesying for Jesus who's coming. <laughs> that Jesus is gonna come in, do a heart work on every one of us, remove our old heart full of lust and sin and whatever, and give us a new heart and a new spirit. And it's not gonna be in our own efforts, but it's gonna be in his perfection. And it's a beautiful picture, church, of where we're at. And so after reading that word, I just felt like this was a word for us. And so I want you to hear this today, how important it is that God is looking at your heart. If you've ever wondered what God is looking at in your life, scripture tells us plainly, he isn't looking at your talent level. He doesn't care if you're LeBron James, amen? Some of you guys are LeBron James fans. He doesn't care if you're LeBron James. He doesn't, he doesn't care if you've got all that success in the world. He doesn't care about necessarily your abilities. He's given you your abilities. He doesn't care about your successes. He's given you your successes. Scripture tells us very plainly that he's looking at our hearts. You see, we're more obsessed with how we look. We're more obsessed with our physical appearance. We're more obsessed with our abilities. And God says, no, what I'm obsessed with is your heart. When Samuel was looking for a man to succeed King Saul as king over Israel, Saul as king over Israel, God said to Samuel in 1 Samuel 16, 7, do not look at his outward appearance or his stature. Do not look at his outward appearance or his stature because I have rejected him. Man does not see what the Lord sees. Listen to this. Man does not see what the Lord sees for man sees what is visible, but the Lord sees the what? The Lord sees something so much deeper inside of you. 
The Lord sees not what everybody else sees. The Lord sees those things that we sometimes think we can hide from him or lock away. He sees the depths of our hearts, the things inside. And he says, when he sees those things inside, that's what tells me more about who you are than what you do on the outside, (laughs) is seeing the things on the inside. And so this is why God is constantly telling us in scripture that we have to guard our hearts. We have to guard our affections, guard our desires, guard our hopes, guard our beliefs. He's telling us to guard those things because it can be very easy, listen to this, to go through the Christian thing and still lose your passion for Jesus, amen? Like we can come in here We can be dressed up. You can look like you are an amazing, I mean, you've got your dress to the nine, your family's coming in here, everybody's smiling, your GQ and everything, whatever, you should look like you should be on the cover of a magazine, and you look the part outwardly. You've got it. I mean, everything about you looks good, but the depths of your heart is crying out, going, man, I need something more. Man, I'm dying inside. Man, you have no idea what's going on in my life. So God's going, man, I I look beyond the appearance. Guard your heart because I'm not worried about your appearance. I'm worried about what's right here. Proverbs 4.23, Solomon's writing these Proverbs and he says this, guard your heart above all, somebody say all, else. (laughs) Guard your heart above all else. Before anything else, guard your heart above all else for it determines the course of your life. I was sharing with first service, what's so ironic about that is that Solomon, if you know the story of Solomon, Solomon's walking in obedience to the Lord, doing his thing, man. And so God says, Solomon, because of your obedience and and just your love, I'm gonna bless you. You tell me what you want and I'm gonna give it to you. And because he didn't ask for wealth and he didn't ask for money and he didn't ask for possessions, God said, I'm gonna give you, you're gonna be the wisest person to ever live. And so uh, Solomon was poured out the wisdom of God in his life. And scripture says, he's the wisest man to ever live. And he writes, guard your heart above all else for it determines the course of your life, and then he didn't guard his own heart, and he fell away. And so I'm saying, if if Solomon has this tendency, if this guy Solomon, who's so wise, has a tendency to, to, to fall away because he didn't guard his heart, then you and I have a tendency to slip if we don't guard our hearts. Notice something here about this, and I've shared this in here before, but notice this scripture in in, in Proverbs 4.23, real quickly, it does not say, let someone else guard your heart. (laughs) It doesn't say, let your pastor guard your heart. It doesn't say, let your life group leader guard your heart. It doesn't say, let your spouse guard your heart. Husbands, guard your wife's heart. It doesn't say that. It doesn't say, wives, guard your husband's heart. It doesn't say, let your best friend, your accountability partner. It doesn't say anything about somebody else guarding your heart. And it certainly doesn't say that God's going to guard your heart. It says, you guard your heart. God has given you the tools, God has given you the faith, God has given you the abilities to guard your heart, and here's the problem. If we think that somebody else is gonna do it, especially God, the minute that we slip, who do we blame? We blame God. Well, I guess God didn't wanna guard my heart today, right? He let me slip into that. He let me say that. He let me use that hand gesture I shouldn't have used again, right? And somehow it becomes God's fault because somehow God was supposed to guard your heart, but that's not what he says. You guard your heart above all else because we have the tendency to slip above all else because it determines the course of your 
life. Listen, it determines the course of your life. You can have a knowledge of God or you can have a heart that's sold out for passion for Jesus Christ, amen? I know a lot of people who know a lot of things about God. They could tell you everything that you wanna know about God, but they have zero relationship with him. Jesus was the same way when he attacked the religious leaders. He's like, you've got it. You've got the law. You know it. You know it backwards and forwards, but you don't have a heart for me. You don't have a heart for God. And so we can have all of this head knowledge, but it doesn't mean it's heart knowledge. And so this is why we need these strong hearts. And this is what we're warring against. Because in Jeremiah 17, 9 through 10, this is why there has to be a replacement in our hearts. Jeremiah 17, 9 through 10 says, the human heart is the most deceitful of all things and desperately wicked. And I shared this with nine o'clock service. I'll share it with you. Why don't we put that scripture on coffee mugs? Like, hey, the human heart is deceitful, right? But that's not what we do. It's like the joy of the Lord is my strength. I'm just saying, I just soapbox again. But anyways, The human heart is the most deceitful of all things, desperately wicked. Who really knows how bad it is? But I, the Lord, search all hearts and examine secret motives. So we guard our hearts above all else because it determines the course of our life. Yet the heart that we have right now in the flesh, that heart kind of in our own willpower is the most deceitful of all things. Now we look back at Ezekiel 36 and it makes sense. When I come into Jesus Christ, I'm asking him to rip my heart out of my chest and give me his. Do you hear me? Not to keep my heart and then somehow just have two hearts. One of them's gotta go. One of them's gotta go. This is why we're having a heart to heart because I need you to rip your heart out, okay? One of them's got to go. He says, I will put a new heart, give you a new heart. I'll put a new spirit in you. Listen, I will take out your stony, stubborn heart. I will give you a tender heart responsive heart. So just ask yourself a question for a minute, man. Do, do you have a tender, responsive heart to the things of God? And if, you, and if right now you don't, there's, it, it's, this is great for you because it just simply means that God's saying, man, I wanna give you my heart now. And, and, and my heart is Jesus. And if you struggled with this, maybe the question is, I've kept both hearts. <laughs> and God's saying, I need, you to, I, need you to give, I need you to give up your heart. I need you to give it up. And so this is important for us as a church before we go forward, because here, here's the thing. We, we cannot move forward and talk about red letters. In other words, what Jesus wants us to do if we don't have the right heart within us. So it starts with this today, man. And I, I'm, I'm excited about that for us. Um, real quickly, Mark 7, um, 21, I'm gonna read it from the message translation. Our hearts have a will that fights against the will of God. This is why we can't have two hearts inside of us. Our heart will try to contend with the heart of God. Look what Mark 7, 21 says. Um, He went on, Jesus went on, and he says, it's what comes out of a person that pollutes obscenities, lusts, thefts, murders, adulteries, greed, depravity, deceptive dealings, carousing, mean looks, (laughs) mean looks, uh, slander, arrogance, foolishness, all of, the, all of these are vomit. Somebody say vomit. From the heart. All of these things are vomit from the heart. There is the source of your pollution. There is the source of your, 
pollution. The heart becomes the source of your pollution. So if you're wondering why these things are coming out of us, ask yourself again the question, have I had a heart transplant? Have I allowed the heart of Jesus to come in and take out my heart, take out my desires, take out my whatever, and, and, and the things that it's centered upon me, because my heart is always gonna look out for number one, have I removed that and now I have the heart of Jesus where I'm now tender and responsive to the things of his word? It should move us. It should breathe new life into us. When we come to Christ, we know this, we, we're adopted in as his people. We've heard that over and over and over again. We, 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 we have a circumcision. There's a cutting. Circumcision is a cutting. There's a circumcision of the old heart, a cutting away, and it changes everything, and we get the heart of God. We read this in Romans chapter 2, verse 28. For you are not a true Jew, meaning we are not part of the family of God just because we were born of Jewish parents or because you have gone through the ceremony of circumcision. No, a true Jew is one whose heart is right with God, and true circumcision is not merely obeying the letter of the law. Rather, it's a change of heart produced by you, no, 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 by the Spirit. It's not even something that we do in our own willpower. We put our trust and we put our rest in the Spirit of God. And a person with a changed heart, how do you know? Like, what's the litmus test? A person with a changed heart seeks praise from God and not from people. When we come to Christ, we know this. This is what we have. We have a circumcision of our heart. But real quickly, there's some things that keep us from that. And we've talked about some of these in here before, but I want to Again, we're having a heart to heart. I want to talk about these again because something happens when we're talking about like this heart. Why are we guarding our heart? What is so important about our heart before we can move forward? And the number one thing that we're guarding our heart against is unbelief. Somebody say unbelief. Hebrews 3.12 says this, be careful then, dear brothers and sisters, make sure that your own hearts are not evil and unbelieving. Make sure that your own hearts are not evil and unbelieving, turning away from the living God. Let me give you a context real quickly. He's just recapping what happened to the people of Israel, where over and over and over again, God was blessing them and blessing them and blessing them, and they kept turning away and turning away and not believing in him. They saw crazy things happen, red seas part, manna fall from heaven, and yet for some reason in their mind, they still didn't believe in everything that God said he could do. And you look at us as a generation and we say, we see all these things that God can do and are we putting our trust and faith fully in him or is unbelief seeping in? See, he's, he's increasing faith right now. He was gonna give them the promised land. God was gonna give it to them, but they let unbelief rule their hearts because they didn't guard their hearts from unbelief. When he says be careful, it means to take care and make sure you look at your heart. This is why David cried out in Psalm 139, search me, O God, and know my heart. Listen to what he says, see, look at me, see, he's saying look inside of me, see if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way of everlasting. That's a hard prayer right there because the issue is we don't like to examine ourselves. Do I hear an amen? There's nobody that wakes up on a Monday morning and says, I cannot wait to go get my colonoscopy, right? Like, we don't like to be examined. My wife's been pushing me lately. Like, we're getting up there, right? She's like, Aaron, it's time. You need to go get checked. You need to go get your colonoscopy. You need to get your heart. I'm like, yeah, I want to put a gown on that shows my behind, right? And they touch me with cold instruments. Not for me, right? And she's like, Aaron, you need to do this because, see, I, I, I don't want to be examined, I don't want to be examined. There's that vulnerability part of letting somebody examine you. Nobody in here says, I cannot wait to schedule that. Nobody. Because we know in our heart that's not a natural thing. There's this, uh, one, because we're afraid of what they might find, right? There's a fear in that. 
The same thing in our spiritual life, church. We're, we're asking now God, we're giving God, like God come into my heart and examine my heart and see if there's any offensive way in me. And yet in the depths of our heart, we're going, I know there's offensive ways in me. I'm just gonna say this to you. I'm just gonna be completely open with you. I know that when I invite God to come in and examine my heart, he's gonna find some things that I try to lock away, hide from him, amen? I know it, I'm just confessing that. I know that as a man who falls into sin, I know that when I open my heart to be examined, God's gonna go, there, 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 there. I'm like, but you see all this stuff, God, right? He's gonna examine it. And so sometimes we simply don't want God to examine our hearts because we're afraid of what he might find. But if we neglect this, if we neglect this, we need to know that we will, not we could, we will stray away from the Lord. Unbelief does not mean that you don't believe in God as God. I've shared this with you guys before. I just want to reiterate this. Unbelief does not mean that you don't believe in God as God. Unbelief can simply mean that you don't believe God is all sufficient and a promiser of his word. And, and I'll tell you why. Because again, the Israelites, they saw fire by day, cloud, or sorry, fire by night, cloud by day. They saw the Red Sea part. They saw bread fall from heaven. It's not that they didn't believe in God. They totally believed in God. They just simply didn't want to believe in everything of God. It conflicted with them. And so we have the same tendency, like we watch God move, we see God move, but there's an unbelief inside of us that can well up and say, but God, can you really do that? So here we are getting ready to start studying the passages of Jesus in John 13, 14, 15, and 16, where Jesus is doing miraculous things and Jesus is giving us these red letters of how to live our life. And there's gonna be a tendency for us to go, "Mm, can we really do that? Can I really walk in that kind of authority? Can I really have that kind of power through the Holy Spirit? Does that really play out in the life of Christ? There's gonna be a tendency to do that unless we're having a heart work happen inside of us. Unless we allow this new heart and new spirit to come inside of us. This is how profoundly important it is. Number two, real quickly. So unbelief we contend with. And and number two, real quickly, idolatry. Somebody say idolatry. Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 5, listen, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone, and you must love the Lord your God with all. Somebody say all your heart and all your soul and all your strength. The, the hang up that we have here, the, ten, the, the, the issue that we have here with, the problem that we have right here is that it says all your heart. We would be perfectly fine if it says you must love the Lord your God, <laughs> period, right? But that all changes things. Because that all means that I can't give a portion of myself to other things. This all means that Jesus is my affections. And then because Jesus is my affections, then those things spill out in everything else. I can love my wife and love my kids because I have a love for Jesus Christ. And I can tell you when that happens, I'm gonna love her better than she's ever been loved before, amen? So when he says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, He's saying, look, there's some other things that kind of steal the affections of our heart. And we've talked about this idolatry. There could be be shopping or sports or TV or work or you name it. Almost everything in scripture that you read could become idols in people's lives. And so there was always this drift away from God. God would move, they would drift to idols. God would move, they would drift to idols. And so over and over and over, there's this warning. Do not go back to idolatry. Don't do it. In fact, the the, the first two commandments out of the 10 commandments are all about this. 
You shall no, have no other God before me. He's like, I want to make sure you get it. Oh, and just in case you forgot, you shall not make for yourself an idol in the form of anything in heaven above or on earth below or the waters below. You shall not bow down to them or worship them for I, the Lord, your God, am a jealous God. Unbelief and idolatry, we're guarding against those two things because we're believing that what we're going to read here in John 13, 14, 15, 16 can truly happen in Jesus' name. Our end game, just close with this, our end game is God's heart. That's it. You want to know the answer to the test? God's heart. That's, that's what we want. We want God's heart. David was successful. King David had success over Goliath, and man, he was successful in everything. It felt like everything that David touched, it seemed like, was successful. But David was successful because he had a humble heart before the Lord. And he knew that at the end of the day, it was never about his ability. It was always about God's ability. It was never about his strength. It was always about God's strength. It was never about his heart. It was always about God's heart in him. So David prayed in a moment of weakness and despair where he had fallen into the old ways, into his selfish ways, into his lustful ways. David prayed a prayer in Psalm 51.10, God, create in me a clean heart. Create in me a clean heart and renew a right spirit within me. What Ezekiel prophesied in Ezekiel 36, David cries out in prayer in Psalm 51.10, I need a new heart and a new, new spirit within me. This morning, I know that there are people in here that have wounded hearts. Some of y'all have wounded hearts. Some of y'all have hardened hearts. There's some people in here with broken hearts. There's some people in here with prideful hearts. Man, I struggle with that, prideful hearts. Lost hearts are in this room, confused hearts. We are praying this morning for you guys, and we just felt like, like the Lord said, pray over confusion, like, when people come to these doors that just revelation and God's wisdom would just come over you so that you would know who you are. So I know that there's broken hearts and lost hearts and confused hearts and man, there's prideful hearts and there's hearts that are longing for more. Some of you guys, man, you're going after the heart of God but you're just saying, God, I, I still need a new heart within me. So I wanna do something, just family today. I just wanna do something. And, and I don't, if it weirds you out, well, then it weirds you out. So we're, we're gonna make a declaration as a family in here that, that some of us are broken and lost and hardened hearts and some of us are hopeful. There's some hopeful hearts in here that just wanna go further. So in a moment, I'm gonna ask you if you need a change of heart, if you need a heart transplant, you need to get rid of one heart so that the heart of Jesus can come in, whatever it is. Or if you know of somebody that you wanna stand in the gap for, man, a loved one, a spouse, a child, uh, a friend that you want to stand for because you know they need a heart transplant, then just in a moment, I'm going to have you stand. And we're going to pray over you. And we're going to believe that God's going to do a heart work in here because we're having a heart to heart. Amen? So let me just give you a minute. Just think about that, Father. If there's somebody that you need in here, I don't care if it's one, I don't care if it's a hundred in this room, or if nobody desires to stand, it doesn't really matter, Father, because you know the person's heart in this room today. So with all eyes closed, Father, 
I just wanna give this challenge. If there's anybody in this room today that knows you need a heart work, you've got a lost heart, a broken heart, a hurting heart, man, you just, you have a hopeful heart, but you want more. If that's you, go ahead and stand in this place today. If you wanna stand in the gap for somebody because you know they need it, stand in this gap today. You don't feel, don't feel compelled to do it. It's, it's okay. I mean, truly, if you're in a good spot, don't feel compelled. We just, want to, we just believe that God is moving and we're increasing faith and we're not gonna miss opportunities like this. And so with everyone standing today, I just wanna pray over you. Father God, today, Jesus, we're believing that your word is truth and your word says, your word says in Ezekiel, God, it was prophesied in Ezekiel 36, it came true in the New Testament with Jesus Christ, that you are gonna take our heart of stone and that you're gonna give us a heart of flesh, that you're gonna put a new heart within us. The heart of Jesus was gonna come within us. And then Father, you said you were gonna take our spirit and give us a new spirit, capital S, Holy Spirit. And so God, today we're praying for that new heart and new spirit to fall over every person that's standing up, God. There's wounded hearts out there today. There's broken hearts out there today, God. There's hopeful hearts that are just longing for more. There's hearts, God, that are confused out there today. There's lonely hearts out there today. And God, today you're doing a heart work in the name of Jesus. So God, where there's been tension, God, where there's been confusion, take out those old hearts, God, and replace them with your hearts. God, increase faith in this room right now in the name of Jesus. Holy Spirit, move like you've never moved before and begin to do a work in our hearts, Jesus, where when we begin to read the things in your word, Father, the first thought is not unbelief, but the first thought, God, is how much we believe. And the first thought, God, is not idolatry and other things and desires of other things, but the first thought is the Father's heart within us. That's what we desire. So God, do a heart work in this place today for everyone, God, who's standing, even those, Jesus, who are sitting. God, would you do a heart work? We give it to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening today. If you want to find out how to get involved, go to reliancecommunity.org.